I'm Cesar Rubio, five-time past master of Palm Springs Laws number 693, and this is Masonic Muscle, where we focus on the strongest aspect of Freemasonry, a virtuous education of the mind, fortifying it with wise and serious truths, encouraging all brethren to increase their level of fitness one degree at a time, making exercise and study a cornerstone of your daily routine, because Freemasonry is work. When you put in the work, get closer and closer to the point within the circle. Masonic Muscle, we give you more light, but no light weights. We're here to pump you up, body, mind, and soul. Welcome back, welcome back. All right, let's get to it. Before we get to today's show, I have a real quick favor to ask. You know what time it is. If you've been enjoying the Masonic Muscle Podcast, I'd really appreciate it for you to take one minute, just one minute. If you take one minute rest between reps and then go to two minutes and then three minutes, you'll get different results. But anyways, let's get back. Just take one minute to give me a review on either iTunes or Spotify. It helps me out a lot. And if you've done that already, thank you so much. Please consider sharing the show with a friend family but especially a mason especially a mason that you think would get something out of it please do word of mouth is the primary way masonic muscle grows and spreads please share please i beg you no i'm not gonna beg you if it's worth something to you just share it text a friend send out an email however you communicate tell them to check it out Thank you for your continued support. And now, on to the show. If you are a member of Freemasonry, from the East Coast to the West Coast, you know what time it is. But West Side. That's right. West Side. Well, recently... You know, we got some rappers from the East Coast. They've been bringing it down. They've been putting it down, even though that's where it started. But for a long time, you know, the West Coast. But it's still the same. From the East Coast to the West Coast, have you been studying your ciphers? Come on. Make it a priority. Have you been studying the Inner Apprentice, Fellowcraft, and Master Mason degrees from the beginning to the end? And I'm talking about everything in between, especially the foundational documents. Here in California, it's time, it's May, it's time for Masters and Wardens retreats. Sign up for them, go to them. The Grand Master will be there. Most of his crew will be there. And no matter what is going on in your lodge, it's always a good time to go and visit other brethren because you're going to find out that what you're going through, more than likely, many lodges are going through the same thing. And you can pick their little lizard brains at that point. Try to find out what you can do. And then you're probably going to realize that it's not so bad. Whatever you thought was happening, it's not so bad. 
Have you been digging into the mysterious origins of masonry? Have you? If you haven't, why not? And if you're saying, ah, it's not that important, why isn't it that important? I mean, it, it, should, be that, it should be that important. That's one of the reasons why we're here. We want to know where it came from. Have you been improving your spiritual, moral, and Masonic trestle boards? Have you stopped making excuses and begun to improve the level of your fitness and also your Masonic understanding one degree at a time? If not, why not? When would now be a good time to start this improvement of your body, mind, and soul? When? I mean, Jesus Christ, help me help you. Now, in the last several episodes, I've been getting into the history of exercise since ancient times till today, and also the mystery schools. And I've been on Egypt. That's what I've been on. And I've also mentioned two articles that were written by past Grandmaster of Indiana, Dwight L. Smith. And the reason why I bring this up is because in the ancient times, the mystery schools were something special. It was something of such importance that people of renown of that time would travel for years to finally get to Egypt to get initiated into the mystery schools. Now, I'm not making this up. This is something you're going to find in your history, not your history books when we go to high school and college, maybe some college, maybe some universities, but High school, that would have been cool. If we had learned about that, going through grade school, going through middle school, going through high school, how different would that have been? How different, how would that have changed our perception of history and of reality? Just as if we had learned about money and how it really works and about real history. How much different would our understanding of the world be right now? Even right now with our, here in the United States with our Federal Reserve System and fractional reserve lending and fractional reserve banking, how much different would your choices be when you bought something it, had you understood what, how the Federal Reserve System really works? What's the same thing here with the mystery schools? They really existed. Greek philosophers really traveled to Egypt to get initiated, and then they brought it back. And mystery schools really existed in Greece and in other parts of the countries. I'm going to read something for you right now and it's from a book called An Exposition of the Mysteries or Religious Dogmas and Customs of the Ancient Egyptians, Pythagoreans and Druids 
Also, an inquiry into the origin, history, and purport of Freemasonry by John Bellows. This book was published in 1835. And I think it's got some real valuable information for us. It's going to lead into something here in a minute. On page 102 on the institutions of the mysteries, it describes the mysteries. And it says, this was the institution of the mysteries, the most sacred part of pagan religion, an artfully framed to strike deeply and forcibly into the minds and imaginations of the people. Isn't that what we want for Freemasonry, guys, when, when prospects and candidates come in? Isn't that what we want? You may say, no, that's not what we want. We want. No, that, that's not true. That's bullshit. We want it to go deeply and forcibly into the minds and imaginations of the candidates. And then he says, I propose, therefore, to give in full and distinct account of this whole matter, and the rather because it is a thing little known or attended to the ancients who wrote expressly on the mysteries, such as Melanthius, Menander, Hesius, Sotades, and others, not being come down to us, so that the modern writers on this subject are altogether in the dark concerning their origin and end, not accepting Mercius himself, to whom, however, I am much indebted for abridging my labor in the search of those passages of antiquity which make mention of the Eleusinian mysteries. Later on it says, each of the pagan gods, well, let me start, Correctly here. It says, to avoid ambiguity, it will be proper to explain the term. Each of the pagan gods had, besides the public and open, a secret worship paid unto him, to which none were admitted but those who had been selected by preparatory ceremonies called initiation. Does that sound familiar, Brother Masons? This secret worship was termed the mysteries. Booyah. Later on, he goes further on to say, the first and original mysteries of which we have any sure account were those of Isis and Osiris in Egypt. We've been talking about that. From whence they were derived to the Greeks under the presidency of various gods as the Institutor thought most for his purpose. Zoroaster brought them into Persia, Cadmus and Inachus into Greece at large, Orpheus into Thrace, Melampus into Argus, Trophonius into Boeotia, Minos into Crete, Cinyras into Cyprus, and Erechtheus into Athens. And as in Egypt they were in, to Isis and Osiris, so in Asia they were to Mithras, in Samothrace to the mother of the gods, 
in Boeotia to Bacchus, in Cyprus to Venus, in Crete to Jupiter, in Athens to Cirrus and Persephone, and Amphisa to Castor and Pollux, and Lemnus to Vulcan, and so to others in other places, the number which was incredible. So, pretty much all around the known world in ancient times at that time. And people would go there. And it was something of such great worth that they were willing to sacrifice themselves to try and get to the place where you can be initiated. But they knew that even if you got there, there was a good chance that you would be rejected and denied. But you were willing to take that risk. So great were these mysteries, ceremonies, and rituals. But Caesar, what does this have to do with Freemasonry? I'm glad you asked that question. When a lodge begins to really key upon the awesome power that it can generate, by creating value. It becomes a magnet. And the flame can become so bright that anybody around it will be like a moth to a flame. And so I've been mentioning Two articles by a past grandmaster of Indiana, Dwight L. Smith. And I'm going to quote now from his first article called, Whither Are We Traveling? And the chapter, well, he calls it a chapter, but you know, it's like 35 pages each article. This one is chapter four, Pearl of Great Price. Question three, has Freemasonry become too easy to obtain? Now remember, in ancient times, in the mysteries, it was not easy to obtain. Not in the least. And it's been recorded that some of the initiates when they finally got the privilege of getting initiated, what they saw was so awesome and so horrible that they could not recover. They were never the same, and they they just were never the same. So chapter 4 of Dwight L. Smith's first article was called Pearl of Great Price. 
Question three, has Freemasonry become too easy to obtain? Some three months ago, when this art series of articles was introduced, I took advantage of a 50-year presentation occasion to write a Masonic editorial. The recipient of the award of gold had petitioned a Southern Indiana Lodge in 1911 when he was making $10 a week as an apprentice printer. The fee for the degrees was 20 bucks. He thought enough of Freemasonry to empty his pay envelope twice. Hook me up two times. A century ago, it was not uncommon for men to pay what amounted to a month's wages to become a Mason. Then he goes on to say, that we've cheapened it. Then listen to this. Before we are in a position to tackle some of the difficulties that beset us, meaning you know the, the fraternity overall, we must reestablish the premise that Freemasonry is a pearl of great price, worth a great deal of effort a great deal of sacrifice, a great deal of waiting to obtain. The members of Palm Springs Lodge, the recent ones that just come in, Shane Arch, John Strozier, Jesus Marquez, Steve Grasha, they can attest to this. They can attest to this. A great deal of sacrifice, a great deal of waiting to obtain. We need to do a little preaching, perhaps, with a certain New Testament passage as the text. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Has Freemasonry become too easy to obtain? I am one who believes that it has. And I am not the only one. My old friend Arthur H. Strickland of Kansas recently wrote a thoughtful article for the Philalethes entitled, and I've read many of the Philalethes articles. I'm going to have to look up this one here. But the Philalethes art, uh, article entitled, who killed Cock Robin? Calling attention to the old axiom that what is easy to get is not much appreciated. He observes that we have done everything that we can think of to cheapen masonry. We have cheapened the fraternity to the point that it is seriously reacting against us. Now, when I talk to our new candidates and even our new applicants we have Amos Herrera we have Jeffrey Dangerman and we have Chris Hogue they can attest to this and when they finally receive their application and we asked them me but me I can't say we when I asked them each one of them was it worth it they said hell yes 
And I don't understand how anybody can not wait this long. Yes, it was worth it. And yes, I would do it again. It goes on to say, for a long time, I have had the uneasy suspicion that the period of ascent on the quantity rather than the quality may have started during those cut-rate years of 1933 to 1944, when the minimum fee was only 20 bucks. Now, when I joined Freemasonry at Palm Springs Lodge, at my mother's lodge, our dues were $90. That's it. And I can tell you right now that I honestly thought that it was going to be more. I did. And when I learned that it wasn't, it did have an impact on me. But you have to give value time and time again where value is clear where value is clear decisions are easy remember that and what I began to realize is what he says here in his point number two regarding this he says everything is geared towards speed as if a deadline had to be met And one of his observations is comprehension of the underlying philosophy of Freemasonry, its symbolism and ethics and traditions, what it is and what it seeks to do. You know the answer to that question as well as I. So what the hell is he saying? Well, he says, Freemasonry is no longer worth waiting for, nor working for, nor sacrificing for. And this is true for a lot of lodges. It is. And in Palm Springs Lodge, we made it worth waiting for, working for, and sacrificing for. Just ask our candidates. Ask our new EAs. They will tell you. And especially our fellow craft, Matt Jackson. They will tell you, yes. Too often, it is only a badge of respectability, a prestige symbol to be obtained with the same hurry-up zeal that would be assumed in acquiring a Cadillac or a yacht. Candidate A must be rushed through the degrees before he leaves for service in the armed forces. He has heard it. He has heard it might be helpful to him. Candidate B must be rushed through the through because he is about to move to a distant point to take a new job. Candidate C must hurry through so he can join a class in some other organization. Proficiency? Nonsense. A friendly coach can take care of that. And we not only permit such a situation, we actually encourage it. How? In heaven's name, 
can we so cheap in ancient craft Freemasonry and expect anything other than contempt for the parent body? Hmm, I wonder. Masonic muscle. What is your Masonic muscle? How strong is your Masonic muscle? I wonder. We join Freemasonry. We wanted something more out of it. And for a lot of lodges all around the United States, what we find is an unfocused, low bar, low standard experience that turns us off so much that we just don't come back. Not at Palm Springs Lodge, I can tell you that. And not at South Pasadena and some others that I know about where those brothers are holding the line. They are holding the line. They have lock shields and they had said, uh-uh. There is a standard. There are expectations. And we will hold you to them even before we hand you an application. There's nothing wrong with that because now you know what time it is. And here at Masonic Muscle, I'm going to push it one step further and say, hey, Freemasonry has given you the working tools to become a better man. And exercise has given you the working tools to mold your body, to get in better shape. Because when you become a leader, the stresses of life, the choices you got to make, the more physically fit you are, the stronger you are to be able to make those choices and decisions that not everybody will make. And that's what Freemasonry needs right now. Step up. Step to the line. Whoever's taking the standard and is pulling it forward and is, and is run ahead of you, don't expect him to bring it back down to you. No. Why don't you bring everybody else up to the standard? When you have high standards and expectations, great things happen. And I believe that's what a lot of men who are joining Freemasonry are expecting. So when they show up to a lodge and they see and they look all around them and they see that the standard is low and the expectation is low, what do you think is going to happen? They're not going to come back. So I will leave you once again with this. 
What are you waiting for? When are you going to jump into the breach and lock shields with all of those masons who are holding the line? Come and join us, brother. Peace out. These strong sessions are calculated to inculcate in the mind of the novitiate the importance of some doing our passions and improving ourselves in masonry, feeding the attentive ear with the sound of the instructive tongue, endeavoring to add to the common stock of knowledge and understanding, effectively spreading the cement of knowledge and wisdom, and hopefully some good will towards exercising. Get out there and get your walking in. Open up your ciphers. Study, memorize, and just do it.